down. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4 tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now, I think it's true to say that all of us want to be remembered when we're gone. We don't want to feel that we've passed through this life and, you know, we're just gone. That's it. That's the, the end of us. There's uh, no more, more of us. We, we want it to seem as though we've had an impact. We've touched the world in some way. We've left our mark behind. Right. I'm going to give you some names. And I want, you, want, to, want to get you to respond to me tonight. When I, when I give you the name, I want you to tell me uh, what this person is remembered for. Okay? We got that? All right. Alexander Graham Bell, what's he remembered for? A telephone, right? Uh, the inventor of the telephone. Can you imagine life without a telephone? Right? Um, that was a pretty important development. Uh, Thomas Edison. Electricity. Electricity, yeah. <clears throat> the light bulb. Uh, there was a day not so long ago in our lifetime when, well, in my lifetime at least, maybe not in your lifetime, but in my lifetime when there were parts of Ireland that had no electricity. Hugh Davies remembers those days, right? <laughs> Um, but electricity and the light bulb changed all that. What about George Friedrich Handel? What comes to mind there? Uh, Handel. <laughs> Handel, okay. <laughs> Handel. The Messiah. The Messiah, yeah. I mean, uh, he composed a piece of music that t- took scripture uh, and put it down, and his name is very well known. By the way, do you know that uh, the Messiah was first uh, played here in Dublin, just beside Christ Church? First time it was played, it was there. By the way, that's a wonderful piece of music. There are parts of it that you, you know, even though you probably don't think you know them. Uh, but there are parts of that you actually know. What about, what about the Wright brothers? What are they remembered for? Right, yeah. And you see, we could go on with the list of names. And these are people that made their mark on the world. Now, you don't have to be one of those characters to make your mark on the world. But we all want to make a mark on the world. Nobody wants to uh, think of their life ending and people saying, whew, glad he's gone. Glad she's gone. We want to actually make a mark. But do you know that how we live our lives is going to actually dictate whether we leave a mark on the world or not? That how we live our lives is going to come. You see, it can go either way for us. We can end up living our lives in such a way uh, that we're remembered for things we'd rather not be remembered for. Um, If I mention Hitler's name, immediately we recoil inside. He was also an artist, though. But that's not what we remember him for. We don't don't even want to uh, see any uh, of his art. Because he's remembered for one. And there are a lot of characters throughout the ages, you know, that are remembered for dreadful things, even though that may not have been all of them. Now, I suppose here's the question to you tonight. What are you going to be remembered for? When you're gone, when you close your eyes on this world, and that's not a bad thing or a bad day, that'll be a, uh, that'll be a good day. But when you close your eyes on this world, what are you going to be remembered for? It's important, isn't it? But it doesn't happen on that day. It happens today. It happens today and every day you have between this and that day. What are you going to be remembered for? Let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to look at two characters from Scripture. Father, would you bless us? Help us as we look to your word tonight, Lord. Help us not to just look at the then and there, but help us to look at the 
scripture, Lord, and to see an application for us in this day and age. And would you bless us and help us with truth in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> and <clears throat> Paul is speaking. In verse 6, he says this. He says, For I am now ready to be offered. What he means by that is, I know my time is short. Now, they're, they're going to take my head off my shoulders now any day. Uh, I know my time is short. I, I know it's finished. And, and I think if you and I knew we were dying, it would kind of focus us very effectively, wouldn't it? You know, it, it would have the ability to focus your, your attention on important things because time is short, and, and you'd, you'd begin to think, you know, what counts? And that's what Paul is doing here. They call this Paul's swan song. Right? It's, it's his, his, his final words over his own life, if you like. Right? Uh, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished... My course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Now, let me ask you a question. Is Paul happy with his life? What do you think? Paul's looking back over his life here, and he's and is he happy with his life? Yeah, he's happy. Listen, it's not perfect. He's got stuff in his past that, you know, he wishes wasn't there. But we don't remember Paul for that stuff. We remember Paul for the stuff he's talking about here. And Paul is coming to the end of his days. And he's, 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 he's going to die a martyr's death. But he's happy with his life. It was good. I lived it well. I'm glad. Do you, do you realize you don't have to be a Paul... To come to the end of your days and do that. You do have to take, though, and apply what Paul said there. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You do have to do those three things. It's going to be different for every one of us. We're not all going to be the same. and It's going to be different. But we do have to, in our lives, come to the place where we actually live that way. Now, there's a second character in our passage. I want you to see him too, right? <clears throat> Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed into Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Now, <clears throat> Demas um, <clears throat> is an interesting character. Demas, <clears throat> Luke tells us in the book of Acts that Demas was a fellow helper in the work of the gospel. He was someone that went with Paul that actually helped Paul do the work. He was somebody that was considered to be, you know, alongside the best of the best of the best. Uh, he was on that team. Uh, he was doing that work. But something happened for Demas. Something happened to change it. Something happened in the life of Demas that, that, that turned it all around, and now the, the, the memory of Demas is, oh yeah, Demas, he's the guy that forsook Paul, isn't he? He's, he's the guy that walked away. That's, that's what he's remembered for. Now look, you can go either way for us. We can either be remembered like Paul, or we can be remembered like Demas. And it all depends on what we're doing with what we've got today. You have a precious few days. Very precious. 
There are a few days. You're going to live these few days. And if you live to be 90, there's still a few days. You're going to live these few days. And then in eternity, you're going to live in the light of these few days forever and ever and ever. So you need to make these days count. So what happened with Demas? <clears throat> well, the, the Bible simply says this about him. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Let's think about that for a moment. I am sure that traveling with Paul was not an easy gig. I am sure that, you know, every, every day Paul got up and he was on the road. He was doing the business. He didn't care if they were throwing stones, if they were threatening to kill him. He was just doing it. He was doing it. He was doing it. He was doing it. And he was constantly uh, going after it. And for whatever reason, Demas came to the place where he said, I'm done with this. Can't act this. It's too much for me. And it says that he loved this present world. Now, John gives us a rule uh, in, chapter, in, in 1 John 2.15. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, what does that mean? That means you have to make a choice. You either choose God or the world. You're either going to please God or you're going to please, please the world. You're either going to love God or you're going to love the world. You're going to love God or you're going to love mammon. The choice is always there for us. You're going to love one or the other. And, and, and Demas, Demas broke that rule. Demas let his love for the world conquer him, and he gave into it over his love for God. And he ended up forsaking Paul. Now, why did he do it? Why would somebody who's called a fellow laborer of the Apostle Paul in Philemon 24 turn uh, back to the world? Well, maybe it was for money. You know, maybe, maybe somebody offered him a job in the family business somewhere. And they said, hey, Demas, listen, why don't you come here? Well, listen, we, we, need, we need somebody we can trust. You can make some good money. You can do okay. Um, maybe it was money. It doesn't say. Now, is there anything wrong with money? No, there's nothing wrong with money. Money's not intrinsically evil in itself. The love of money, the Bible says, uh, is the root of all evil. Money, the love of money shows in your life when you love it more than you love God. When you're willing to do things that displease God in order to have money. When you're willing, maybe we don't know, like Demas, uh, to go and make money rather than be on the road preaching the way he was supposed to be. Money becomes a problem then. Money becomes an issue. By the way, there are sufficient warnings in the scripture about money for all of us to be very careful of it. It can get a grip of you like few other things. Be, be careful of money. Be, be careful of covetousness. I don't know, but, you know, for, uh, for Demas, perhaps it was money. Perhaps it was a woman. I, and by the way, it's not women. It's relationships that are the problem, all right? Uh, sometimes, though, what happens is a relationship comes into our lives and the relationship can eclipse the sun and become more important to us than God. And we end up subtly loving someone else more than we love God. Can we do that? Yeah, we can. Listen, marriage is a good thing. God says it is. <clears throat> marriage is a blessed thing. And listen, God may bring you a husband. God may bring you a wife. And God may bless you in that. But you know... <coughs> You can't afford to do this either or with a relationship or God. 
You need to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and leave him to do the providing. You can't do, be in this place where, where, you, where, you're, where you're making someone more important than God. Because a man can make a great husband and a woman can make a great wife, but they make terrible gods. They're terrible gods. They're human. They have their problems. They have their issues. And they will disappoint you and they will fail you because they, they live in a sin-cursed world just like you do. You know, so you don't want to make them your gods. You never want to choose somebody in a relationship over God. Maybe that's what Demas did. Maybe there was some woman, some woman put her eye on him, some woman that, that charmed him and flattered him and made him feel good about himself. And Demas said, hang on, I, I, I can't do this on the road thing anymore. I'm, 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 I'm finished with it. Probably at some level, even if it was one of those, it was <clears throat> he wanted an easier life. I understand that. I mean, reading about Paul makes you tired, isn't it? You know, reading about the stuff he did and the, you know, you, you beat him up, you, uh, you know, you, you stone him to death. He gets up, shakes the stones off, and he's back preaching again. You know, it doesn't matter what you do with Paul. He, he just keeps going. And if you happen to be on Paul's team, you're with Paul. You know what? You're doing the same things. And I'm telling you, life could be hard. And maybe for Demas, it was just, I want an easy life. I, I understand that, don't you? I want an easy life, too. And listen, it's fine for us to try and set life so that it works and it's better for us. But here's the thing. If you go for an easy life over God, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to end up loving the world uh, more than you love God. Whatever the reason, we know that Demas turned his love from God towards the world and he fell from being a fellow laborer to being a deserter. We, We look back and we think, oh, poor guy, sad, sad, loser. But it could be you, or you and I. Do you know of all the people that got saved, continued on faithfully coming to church, this church and all the other churches in Dublin would be busting loose. You wouldn't be able to fit the numbers in. But you know people, and I know people, who once were, listen, they were on fire. They were, they were serving God. They, they were doing the business. They, they were walking with God. And today, where are they? Who knows? I know, I know so many pastors like that. People who gave their lives to training and to serving in ministry and, and they were doing the business and you look around now and you think, hang on, he's not, he's not, and he's not. And you think, what happened? Somehow, in some way, the love of the world came between them and God and they got pulled away from God. You've got to be very careful about that in your life. See, if the scripture says anything of warning to anybody, it's a warning you can take on board for you, because it could happen to you too. It can happen. You can happen to me. <clears throat> you see, you've got to actually take on board the fact that scripture says, I could fall away. I could become a deserter. That doesn't mean they're not going to heaven. It doesn't mean they don't belong to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But it does mean this, that their lives are being lived fruitlessly as far as eternity is concerned. You don't want to be remembered like Demas. Now, so what are you going to do about it? Well, here's what you need to do. You need to plan to be remembered like Paul. You say, well, I can't do what Paul did. I'm, I don't think I'd, I'd be able to do that. Uh, no, you, you don't have to, to, to do, do exactly what Paul did, but, but you do have to plan to be like Paul. See, the three principles there that Paul gives you are principles that you need to apply to your life. 
The devil's going to use anything and everything he can to stop you, to get you off track, to pull you away from God. Anything and everything. He'll use money. He'll use relationship. He'll use an easier life. Um, He will use anything he can to get you off track and get you away from the Lord. And if statistics prove anything or show anything, you know what? It means that a bunch of us in this room won't finish well. Now you see, that's, that's, that's not, I could have waited for a long time to hear that, Pastor. Well, well listen, I, I, I want us to be warned so we avoid it. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that to us so that we embrace it. I'm saying that to us so we say, well, hang on a minute, I, I don't want to do that. I, I, I don't want to be one of those casualties of the war. I don't want, I don't want to fall by the way. So, so I don't want to be somebody who, who gets left behind, who gets remembered for uh, things I, I really don't want to be remembered for. Right. So what did Paul do? Okay, look, look back at our text again. Um, he says in verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Right. So Paul fought a good fight. One of the, one of the pictures of a Christian we get as a soldier. Why? Because it's a It's a fight. It's, it's a fight against the devil. It's a fight against the world. It is a fight all the time. There's never coming a day in your Christianity where it gets to the place where there's no fight left. If there does, something's wrong. The enemy's going to be going after you all your life. He's going to be pressuring you. He's going to be pushing you. You're going to have to be a soldier. You're going to have to wear your armor. You're going to have to live with that fight in mind. As soon as you let your guard down, he'll go after you. Did you ever watch those films where there's a sniper involved? And the sniper is sitting as far away as he can possibly be. And he's sitting hiding, and he has grass on his head, and he's, and he's, and he's sitting so he's totally inconspicuous. And he's got his rifle trained on a certain area, and he's waiting for somebody to be dumb enough to put their head out without a helmet on. And he's going to send a bullet home and take their lives. He's just just waiting for his opportunity. And you know what? People are people, and eventually somebody pops their head up and it costs them their lives. The other enemy's like that. You're in a battle, you're in a fight, and he's waiting for an opportunity just to pick you off. You've got to be fighting a good fight. You, 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 you've got to be in the place where, where, where you're moving forward in your Christian life, where, where you see yourself as a soldier, as a warrior, not somebody who's just sitting on their laurels, letting it all pass over them. I mean, you can't be just, you know, a someday's Christian. Because you know what? The, the sniper doesn't typically send the bullet <clears throat> when, when, when somebody's expecting it and they're all kitted out and they're uh, hunkered down behind a wall, he sends the bullet in the day when they're not really feeling like being a soldier. And the enemy is waiting for the opportunity to do that in your life. He's waiting to get you. Bible says that as a roaring lion, he roameth about seeking whom he may devour. What does that mean? That means he's on the prowl. That means he's out to get you. That means he wants to turn you into a demon, if he possibly can. 
The, the enemy is out there. Trying, you're going to have to fight a good fight. You're going to have to come to the place where, where you're moving forward in your spiritual life. You're going to have to develop a devotional life. You just have to. You can't survive in the Christian life if you're not having devotions. Because Christianity is a relationship with a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not relating to him, you're not going to be fighting at all. (coughs) Ephesians 6 tells us all about the, the armor we're supposed to wear. But it says this at the beginning. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The first thing you need to have right in your life, if you're going to fight the good fight, is you need to be strong in the Lord. You need a devotional life. You need to spend time with your Lord every day. I don't mean go through the motions. I mean have a life, a relationship where you're talking to him and he's talking to you and you're enjoying relationship with him. If you don't have that going on in your life, you're never going to be able to fight the good fight. And if you don't fight the good fight, you're going to lose. You're going to get caught. You know, you're going to have to be moving forward in your, in, in your Christian life. Not just in that. That's a beginning place. But you're going to have to be moving forward. You're going to have to be <clears throat> striving uh, to get further, closer, no more, walk closer to the Lord. You're going to have to be seeking to do that. You, you can't afford to, to sit on your laurels and relax in a war. You relax in a war. You take your helmet off. You get rid of the body armor. I'm telling you, that's the moment the enemy's waiting for. You're going to have to recognize it. I think one of the problems for Christians is that, that we're a bit silly about this thing called the fight, called the war. One of the problems for us is that we, that we think, you know, this, this easy, it's nice and comfortable, you know what I mean? I've got a few bob, I'm, you know, I'm able to make ends meet, I'm doing all right, you know, everything's going well, I, I, I'm okay. No. You're never going to be okay by yourself. You need to be close to the Lord. You need that relationship with Him. You see, when it comes to your relationship with God, What's your plan? And some of you are saying, what do you mean, what's my plan? Isn't that a problem, isn't it? We'll say we, we'll say we had a war, right? We'll say there was war coming our way, and we were told there's war coming our way, and, um, you know, we knew it was coming. What would the first step be uh, for a wise government uh, because war is coming? Get us trained up, wouldn't it? Get us trained up, get us ready for this war. Now, when it comes to training for a war, I've never done it right, but it looks pretty tough to me. It's not something I particularly uh, would like to do. You know, it looks like carrying all those packs and running around and marching and, uh, and all those things. Some parts of it might be fun, but I think a lot of it would just be dog work, getting you fit, getting you able to survive in a battle zone. Do you know that being a soldier is not all fun? Do you know that being a soldier, and we have to embrace that. That being a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, being involved in the war, it's not all going to be fun. It's not all going to be on easy street. We've got to recognize that we need to move ahead. So what's your plan? What's your plan for your relationship with God? What's your plan for your ongoing Christianity? Or have you stopped? 
Because if you've stopped, I can tell you what's going to happen. You're going to end up falling out. Little girl fell out of the bed one day. And of course, mom and dad heard her downstairs and somebody rushed up the stairs to, uh, to see what happened. And somebody asked her, how did you fall out of the bed? And the little girl thought for a minute. And she said this, she said, I suppose I was too close to the edge. You know what? I think we can do that in our Christianity, can't we? We can be too close to the edge. We can be in the place where we're not actually <clears throat> training, we're not uh, in the fight, we're not looking to the Lord, we're not depending upon Him, we're not growing in our relationship with Him, and what happens is we fall out. You need to plan spiritually. Where are you going spiritually? What you're doing? Plan for your devotions. A plan for your growth. A plan for moving ahead. You know, don't just meander around. Don't just flop around like a dead fish. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan to move ahead and to go ahead spiritually. So Paul said, I fought a good fight. And you know, if you walked with Paul for a week, you'd say, yeah, he's fighting a good fight. And Paul, by the way, wasn't just hard on everybody else. He was hard on himself. He said, I keep my body under lest I become a castaway. I keep my body, I, I, I control myself. I do those things that are not convenient, that I don't feel like doing because I don't want to be a castaway. He, he fought a good fight. Every day he fought a good fight. But, but look what else he did. He says, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Now, if we went to Acts chapter 26, we would find what Paul's course was. Jesus, you know, and touched him on the Damascus road, uh, made him blind, and told him, listen, I'm going to send you forth to the Gentiles to preach the gospel. And that's what Paul did. Paul didn't decide, you know what, the Gentiles are hard. I, I think I'll go to the Jews. Uh, Paul, you know, had a deep burden for the Jews. And wherever he went, he preached to them. But you know what? That wasn't his ministry. His ministry was to go out there and to preach the gospel to everybody. He was to open doors with the gospel. And he did it. He finished his course. Now, <clears throat> here's a question for you. That was Paul's course. That was Paul's plan. In fact, let me read it for you uh, out of the book of Acts. And if you could see in your Bible in the book of Acts, you'd see uh, the red letters uh, that mean this is what Jesus said to Paul, right? <clears throat> Acts 26, um, I'm reading from verse 14. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But look at this. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. To make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul, your job is to go to the Gentiles. That's what I've sent you. I'm sending it to the Gentiles. Now, that's Paul. That's not my ministry. That's probably not your ministry. It could be, but that's probably not your ministry. 
Um, but God has a ministry for every one of you. Think about it for a second, right? Are you important in God's plan? Little old you. Are you important in God's plan? Do you, do you think God thinks about you? Are you or, or, or are you just number 7,344? What's his name? He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows more about you than you do. You're important to God. Do you think God has you here for a purpose? Of course he does, doesn't he? Do, do you think it's just a general, hazy kind of a purpose? Or do you think there's a, there's a general side to it, being glorified God, and then there's a specific part to it? I want you to do this. I think he does. I think he does. Not, listen, it's not the same for everybody. We've all got different purposes. God, God's got a purpose for you. Now, here's what happens in most people's lives, even in Christians' lives. They never actually think about that. They never come to the place where they well, what's God's purpose for me? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? They never come to that place where, where they actually think that. Paul could finish his course because he knew his course and he went about finishing his course. If you never know your course, how are you going to finish it? If you never know what God wants you to do, how are you going to finish it? When we talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2 this morning, the other key to knowing God's will is presenting yourself a living sacrifice to him. Saying, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Doesn't matter, Lord, you just show me because I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. If you're going to finish your course, you have to start your course. And if you're going to start your course, you have to know what your course is. Right? Uh, you don't need a theological degree for, to, to, to understand that. That's just basic uh, logic, isn't it? You've got to come to the place where you understand what it is that God wants you to do. What does God want you? How does God want you to live your life? He wants you to do something. You're not on this world. You're not in this world just to exist. You're not in this world to make money. You're not in this world to be happy primarily. You're in this world because God's got something for you to do. What is it? And you'll never know it unless you're willing to do it. That's the strange thing about God. God's not going to tell you until you're actually willing to do it. He's not going to plead with you. When you're willing to do it, he's going to say, yeah, okay. Let's go for it. And he'll show you his will. And his will is good and acceptable and perfect. It's the best plan for your life there ever was. But you've got to find your course and finish your course. And in order to do this, you've got to present yourself to him and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Paul could come to the end of his life and say, I fought a good fight. He reckoned he was a soldier and he lived like that. And I finished my course. I've done what you told me to do. Now, look, nobody's perfect. I don't think Paul thought he was perfect. I think he had his good days and his bad days. But you know what? The focus of his life was being a good soldier and finishing his course. That, that was any day of the week you could have asked Paul, what's your purpose? One of my purposes is to reach Gentiles with the gospel. What's your purpose? What are you supposed to be doing? What does God want you to do? You've got to finish your course, right? <clears throat> okay, so uh, we also notice this, though, about Paul. Uh, <clears throat> I have kept the faith. Do you know that keeping the faith in our day and age is not an easy thing? 
And by the way, when we talk about the faith, we can get it all mixed up and all twisted around and all, all back to front. And we can have all the stuff people tell us and uh, we can have everything going on in our heads. Keeping the faith is keeping this. Is letting this speak into our lives. Is letting the truth of the word of God. I don't have to keep everybody happy. I, all I have to do is actually keep the word of God. You know, Paul wasn't worried about what everybody thought of him. He wasn't worried about the Judaizers. He certainly wasn't worried about the, uh, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests. He wasn't worried about any of those. All he was worried about was what does God think? He wasn't even worried about what the apostles thought of him. He stood up to Peter. He says, I would stood under the face because he was wrong. Paul kept the faith. He, he, he took the book. He knew the book. And he lived the book. Now, you know what? That's pretty simple. You and I got ourselves all bent out of shape and turned around because we're trying to keep what somebody else has told us we need to keep. And we're not actually trying to keep what the Word of God says. See, the Spirit of God and the Word of God combine together to show you what God wants you to do and to give you the power to keep it. You need to keep the faith. Paul didn't budge on it. We live in a very strange day. We live in a day when, when, when right is wrong and wrong is right. And, you know, sometimes you think about where our society is and it would spin your head. You know, marriage between a man and a woman or marriage between whoever and whatever... That, that doesn't make sense. That just doesn't make any kind of sense. And yet our, our culture is bought into it. And woe betide the person that says, that doesn't make sense. It's kind of another emperor's new clothes situation. <clears throat> you know, so we're living in a day like that. And look, I, I, I understand that we have to actually live in this culture and we have to survive and we have to <clears throat> uh, be kind to people even if we disagree with them. But you know what? Bible gives you truth. You've got to stand on that truth. You've got to actually stand on that truth. We live in an age when it's fine for people to live together. You know, that's just the way it is. Everybody's doing it. What's the problem? Christians are doing it now. But the Bible says that marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Now, I don't want to press the point too, too hard on a Sunday night, but do you know that if, 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 if you're in a relationship with somebody that's of a physical nature and you're not married to them, the Bible says you're a whoremonger and an adulterer, and God's going to judge you. Now, I don't have to make that up. I just have to read it to you, tell you what the Scripture says. You know? And I realize in our day and age, hey, that's fine. That's, cause that's what everybody's doing. You see, here's the thing. The Scripture doesn't change to keep in line with the culture. It doesn't move. The scripture stays the same. It stays the same place. Now we confuse it because we get a, get a lot of other things that are not scriptural and we put them on the level of scripture and then they, that gets us all confused and all messed up. But the scripture says some things that are clear and that we need to stand on them because Paul stood on them and if Jesus doesn't come back for another thousand years there still needs to be a people that stand on them. We need to stand on truth. We let the Bible speak for itself. You see, keeping the faith is, 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 is not about you pleasing all, everybody else, the religious crowd or the world crowd. It's not about you pleasing. It's about you actually keeping the word of God and following it and living it in your life. Paul could come to the end of his life and he could say, <clears throat> you know what, I've kept the faith. 
I fought a good fight. It's always going to be a fight. There's no, there's no way around it. There's always going to be a fight involved in it. You know, if you're going to succeed in anything, you're going to have to work at it. You say, hang on a minute, doesn't the Holy Spirit do it? Listen, the Holy, you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and he'll give you the power to do it. But <clears throat> the, the reality is there's always going to be a fight. There's always going to be a need to find and keep his course. And there's always going to be a need for you to keep the faith, particularly in a day uh, when it's being bombarded on every side. You need to keep the faith. You need to stay in that place. You need to trust the scripture. You need to go with the scripture. Oh, you need to be discerning. You need to be able to discern what is scriptural and what's not. But you need to keep the faith. Keep what the scripture says. You see, here's what I think. I think that there's a choice for everybody in this room. I don't think it's just whatever life brings, whatever, however things fall out, case of Rasara and all the rest of that. I don't think it's like that. You know, I, I, I don't think it's, it's, it is what it is. I think it is what you plan it to be. I think it is what you actually decide you're going to do. If, if, if you're like Demas and you let the love of the world creep in and you kind of want easy life, you want the world and you want those things, whatever it is, money, relationship, you know, <clears throat> you know um, praise, whatever it is, if you, if you want those things and you let the love of the world creep in, it's going to sink you. It just is. So you have to guard your heart. You have to guard your heart that you don't let the love of those things creep in. You have to constantly be on your guard because if you're not on your guard, it's going to get you. The enemy uses the world against us very effectively. We, we kind of treat the world as, as though it's neutral. And it is in one sense, but the, the problem is there's an enemy behind it who's firing it up, and that's not neutral. That's, that's your enemy. Now, you can't afford to love the world. You need to fight a good fight. You've got to stop thinking, I'm a Christian, I'm a nice person, uh, everybody's supposed to love me, and it's supposed to go along fine. Uh, you're not a nice person, all right? It's the Lord Jesus Christ in you, and everybody's not going to love you, and it's not going to go fine. You're going to have to fight. That's reality. You've got to fight a good fight. You've got to find and finish your course. What does God have planned for you on this planet? You are not here to occupy a, a chair in church. You are not here uh, to serve yourself. You're not here to make money. You're here for a purpose. What is that purpose? Find it and get on with it. And then finally, you need to keep the faith. You need to stay in that place where you walk with God and you keep the faith and you walk with him. And sometimes it's going to be tough. Sometimes people are going to go against you. Sometimes there's, 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 there's going to be an onslaught of people pushing you to, 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 to not to stand on Scripture. And you're going to have to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stand on Scripture. <clears throat> and if you do those three things, fight a good fight, finish your course, and keep the faith, I guarantee you, you're going to end up in that place at the end of your day where you're going to look back over your life and you're going to say, I'm glad. I am glad. And if you let the love of the world creep in, what's going to happen is you're going to look back later on and you're going to say, I wish, I wish I hadn't. It happens to so many. It could easily happen to you or I. 
Let's build in some guards. Let's stand for prayer.